Harvey V, and welcome to the Clever Hybrids Podcast. Every season, we interview 12 bilingual professionals from around the world to hear their tips and to help you thrive in this multidimensional world. Let's jump right into the episode. Hello, Carmen. It's so nice to finally see you, and this is going to be great. As you can see from your background, you are a very prolific author, so I can't wait to hear some of your stories. Thanks, <laughs> Gabby. I'm very pleased to be in your program. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. This is something that I feel like people should talk more about than pre-Columbian cultures, so it's going to be very interesting. Now, Carmen, I wanted to ask you, first of all, you've done a lot of research. How has being bilingual helped you with your research and other things you've done? I studied in a bilingual school, and I didn't only learn English, but I also learned to teach English at school. So that helped me a lot because when I started studying uh, to be an accountant at the Pacific University, my father retired from his job. 33 years of working in a very important bank here in Lima. He didn't have the <laughs> money to pay the fees. With what I learned from school, I started teaching English. Uh, I studied some other procedures also. And I started paying my, my fees with the classes I, I, I gave to adults and to children. For me, it was very important. My first stories were in English because my aunts taught in my school in English. And uh, my father told me stories. He created his own stories about unknown planets. And at that time, we were eager to wait for what was dad going to tell us this night, no? English, for me, it's a very important issue. I love uh, languages. I, 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 I love English. And it helped me also in my investigations because most scholars, they write in English. So to, to investigate, you should at least use English as well as French and also German. No, I am half in the way to, to finish my French. And I just started my first class in German. Language is a very important media to communicate to other people. I am also studying Quechua, which is one of our 48 languages, live languages right now in Peru. We are Peruvians, we Peruvians are very rich in culture and very rich also in diversity. Language is, is very important to communicate to other people and to know about other people that we are all different, but we are human. <laughs> we are human beings and we live in only one home. It's our planet Earth. So we must uh, keep it, love it, and preserve it. That's amazing. So your dad was a storyteller too. That's very beautiful. <laughs> He's an artist. So when I was a little, classical music was heard in my house and books about art. I, I could read, not only read words, but read the images, no? And that's also uh, very important to read not only words, but images, because from our cultures, we learn, we read them from their images in the pottery, in the textile, in the architecture. So there are lots of ways of reading, not only words, but also reading the nature, no? For instance, I am raising uh, my quinoa plant and 
this yellow leaf tells me that it is time to be cropped. This is another grain that is called the, ki the kiwicha. It's one of the, the seeds that I talk about in one of my books. We have to read everything. We have to learn to read nature because nature is so wise that, you know what? The pandemic is still, is still in the world because we have not learned the lesson yet. I sure hope we learn the lesson soon. It, as you said, the, the world is becoming more urban and you look at plants. What type of plant is it? I don't know. And we just, <laughs> we use a lot of different resources without thinking about the consequences. So hopefully we'll learn our lesson soon. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now you have the pot before. Yeah. Which tribe is that pot from? This is from the Mochi culture in the northern part of Peru. It was, this is Peru. And this is the north part of Peru. Now it's called Trujillo and Chiclayo, those places. And here you see the pottery. They are called the pottery with the face of men. And this is the mocha culture that, that developed in the northern part of Peru, but in the coast. So the materials were different from the ones that there were in Cusco. So people learn to use the materials they can have uh, handy. No? So this talks about the Lima bean men, the mochi grew. This one, and that's what my, one of my stories talk about. <laughs> this is Ayabae, and this is the god of the mochi people. And this is the, the pottery when the, the Lima bean men, we call them Bayar. And this is the story. This is the result of eight years of investigation. You have the pictures of drawings that you can find in the pottery. Every single drawing, you can find it in, in the pottery that is in the museums. And when I tell the story, the children look at this image. And with the other part of the book, <laughs> I am telling the story. Or the people that have my book, they can tell the story in Spanish and English. No, in each page, I have this one character that connects with children. And in this case, the, the character is a, a small fish. He's saying, I think you cannot find a real pottery in this image. So the children start looking at it. Oh, and then, oh, oh, yes, I see. Yes, yes. Here it is. Here it is. It is a real one. This is, a, this is not a drawing. This is a real one. And that, now what? Because the child is excited and he, he wants to know more. She wants to know more. So in this part, it's a link to the museum catalog. So the parents, they can enter to the website of this museum and watch this pottery in the front, in the back, and the two sides, and some information about it. So this is how I transmit what I have investigated through the stories. And the kids, they love it, their parents also, because it's a new way to learn history. In some cases, you'll see, oh, what a disaster. It's too, the plants are in disorder. It's not disorder. It's just because that plants are associated plants. One plant helps the other. So they have to grow together. This is not disorder. This is uh, life. <laughs> this is life. And it prevents from plagues. So insects, instead of coming and, and, and eating the leaf, they will come and, and take some juice from the flowers because they are 
yellow and they attract the insects. So in one image, you can have one month of classes, of lessons of ecology and how to raise a plant and what are the difference between plants. That's what the, the first of my books, the Ayapaek and the Payar Men, <laughs> because Payar is Lima Bean in, in Spanish. So I, I translate that book. So it was my first book in Spanish, and I, I myself translated to English. I, I got a friend that corrected me, but it was my own translation. No? In the case of Tika that we, we were talking about before, my friend, she made the translation, and I, I made the, the correction. And this is a very nice story also. Look here. She is Tika. It's like a little brick, okay? But uh, the difference is this is uh, adobe. It's not a brick, it's an adobe. It, it, it doesn't have to go into an oven to be cooked. You put it on the sun and then it works. It just works. In one of our five types of Quechua, Tiga is adobe. She tells a story about the pyramids, how her family helped to build this pyramid and is now an icon of the Lima culture. <laughs> so some professors tell me that my books are uh, like uh, veiled history lessons <laughs> because children doesn't know that they are learning a lot. Every word here has been reviewed by scholars that were part of my assessors. They assessed me to bring into life this book. So I, I thank a lot to all the scholars that along 20 years or so, they have helped me to produce my stories. Uh-huh. And some of them are already converted to books, no? And every year I create one more book, one more story. I don't like it much when people ask me, for what ages is your book meant to be? I tell them that we people love to, to listen to stories. Why only children are allowed to listen to stories? Because we, the adults, we need to, to listen to stories also, nice stories, and to look at the beautiful pictures. The illustrators have definitely done a wonderful job. It's beautiful pictures. Yes, yes. And the graphic concept designer, it's also very important how to present the words, the text, and the, the images that work together. My mission in this world is to tell the stories. To do that, I have to investigate, to go to museums, to go to archaeological sites, to talk to different scholars, also artists, also architects, also engineers, because the techniques of the past survive until today. Lots of people of other parts of the world, they come to Peru to know about those techniques. So those techniques should be told to the people to know. So things that the ancient people, they used to have those things in their, how do you say, and we, we say Spanish ADN, but it's the, no, the DNA, right. Uh -huh. Perhaps they didn't know how, about development or sustainable because that was part of their living. They used only what they needed to, and they used all the nature to help to have a nice living. That's what we have to learn. We have to be grateful to Mother Nature, which nurtures us in many ways. Yeah, yeah, it's been interesting to see a new emphasis on indigenous cultures in the past few years. 
It's interesting to see how we're having to relearn things to try and save the planet. It's amazing. Exactly, exactly. First, you have to put apart some things you learned when you were little and there were not in, enough investigation and now things have changed. And now in the northern part of Peru, in a place called Cajamarca, it's here, one archaeologist has found a temple. The temple is underground. The top part of the temple is like spiral and the twin temple has been found in Ecuador, not that far from that place. And in Ecuador, the aging of that place is about 5,000 years from today. The cacao plant that makes the chocolate, the cacao was said to be born in Mexico, but uh, in Mexico, it only has about 3,000 years old. The, the most ancient plant there in our place, there have been found some seeds of cacao. The, the ancientness of those seeds is about 5,000 years. And as long as governments invest more in exploration and investigation and less in things that makes us fight between us, the knowledge would be discovered and shared with the rest of, of the people, no? Because we have to be united. We are human beings and we are brothers and sisters living in one planet that is called the Earth. And we have to remember that. <laughs> Before anything, before what I have studied, where do I work? No, before anything, we are human beings. Yes, that's very important. Uh, There's a lot of different foods that are from Peru or around the area that we call superfoods because they're so healthy. Could you give us some more examples? Right, yes. We have three sacred grains. Kiwicha, the quinoa, and the caniwa. The kiwicha that grew in my garden in the year uh, 2014, it has calcium, food with calcium. If you don't have vitamin D, the calcium does not enter into your organism. This marvelous plant has about 20 amino acids. One of those amino acids fixes the calcium into your organism. The astronauts, when they travel, when they used to travel to the space, one of the foods they ate during their they're traveling, was kiwicha. But you don't know this grain with that name. You know it uh, by amaranto because uh, the scientific name is amaranthus caudatus. That is the one that grew in my garden. And it has also some other minerals and it's high in protein where people cannot get meat or milk. Both of them have protein. You can replace them with kiwicha. It's fabulous. And not only that, because the three sacred grains, they don't have gluten. Those are only little things about this marvelous grains. And the, the rest, they are told, am I? Sorry. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Carmen, you have been instrumental in making these books, but you're not a trained archaeologist. How did you go from studying finance? To doing this. <laughs> well, it has to be, I have to go back to about 20 years ago 
I, I was a member of an organization. It's called Organization of Women in International Trade. And I was the president of the Social Responsibility Committee. We did lots of things. And one of the things we helped to do is to raise libraries in special places. It was very funny because when we went to the mothers of the children and we told them that we were going to, to raise a library, they told us, but why? We have two libraries over here. What we need is you to tell us stories. And I was an accountant. We didn't know how to tell stories. My husband and I, uh, we decided not to have children and we have never told stories. So when you are meant to do something, help comes. Next day, I was, oh, what I'm going to do? We were in the, in the garden with my husband and we were reading the, the newspaper and my husband told me, Hey, here's a girl that she tells story. Perhaps she can help you. And there was email because in that time there were no smartphones. So I entered my house and sent her a message and she answered me and she told me, yes, I can help you because I, I know how to tell stories. I can teach you how. She was Peruvian, she lived in Brazil, and she told me that she was coming to Peru because she was organizing a symposium from Peru and Brazil. So, no way. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she introduced me to illustrators, to editors, to writers from Brazil. And she told me how to tell stories. She told me how to prepare my materials to tell stories. Now. These materials I don't prepare, for instance, this pelican has been made from an artisan that is a friend of mine. He works with wood and he makes this kind of thing. I buy from artisans all these things because I, I want to have any time to learn the techniques and to make it because I learned the techniques, but to teach to the children that not to have this as a, a way of living, right? When I tell my stories. I use materials made from different artists of, of different parts of Peru. Jose Maria Arguedas is, was one of our writers and he changed our way of writing indigenous literature. So through his words, through his writings, through his stories, I started to look into my country with his eyes. So from having received education and occidental education, I started my own education about my world, the world of my ancestors. I started to go with lots of these uh, sites, archaeological sites, I started to go to conferences, to reunions. She introduced me to lots of scholars and scholars that share with me their investigations and they provided me to all the information to make my 60 stories. No, that is how I started uh, investigating. And then I started going to classes of how to write, how to tell stories. No, I started to know how to do these new things. And we started our project in this museum in, in, in Arturo Jimenez Borja in March of 2005. And since that day, I have not stopped creating stories and telling them to 
all those. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Now you, you mentioned Occidental education. Western education is very different in what they focus on. They mostly focus on after the conquista of Rescate and what happened then. But in the last 50 years, especially in the last 20 years, we've been focusing more on the pre-Columbian cultures, on African cultures before the colonial people got there. How do you feel that people's attitude toward those cultures have changed? Do they feel proud now? It's so important what you say, because we have a project in one public school. And it has um, lasted three years, but uh, in the pandemia, it continues by the virtual way. And the children lived in front of a magical play, of a Mateo Salado site. And they did not know the richness and the connection with the ancestors through that place. So we started uh, with one of the teachers that knew me for seven years before. And that's another story. And she got in touch with me whenever I told stories in that site. She came with her, her students and she participated in my storytelling. And the children began to have some interest, a different interest in the place because they started to know it by my stories, by different um, characters and different things and making replicas of the things found there. When the, the kids started the, the project, they looked like this and they were like not accepting the people that came from other countries and they did not uh, know how to express themselves and they didn't know what talents they had inside themselves. So after three years of the project, the kids are like this. They love to read. They read a book and then they make poetry from this book or they make comics from this book or they illustrate from this book or they like if they were in a theater, they dramatize this book. It's changed their lives. So if the knowledge of ancient cultures can change the people, the students of one school, can you imagine telling the people how were the inhabitants of the place you live now by story? They would be so proud of themselves. Right now, we have more than 50 nations here in Peru. They are more than the 48 languages because the 48 languages, official languages here, they have an alphabet. But they are more languages that they don't have their official alphabet yet. It's, you cannot imagine. And every day, scientists discover new species. So... There's lots of, of investigation to do. And when you teach, you don't have to teach the children how to investigate. They are curious by nature. So the only thing you have to do is uh, give them their tools to investigate by the right way. You have to give the children what is being validated, not only by the academy, but from the camp also, because the, the agriculture men, the agriculture, women, they know how to breed, how to raise the seeds in the way their parents did long time ago. That's why 
we have from quinoa, we have, I think it's uh, uh, like more than 1,000 uh, varieties. We have more than 5,000 varieties of potato. We have more than 3,000 varieties of corn. They didn't have access of the technology we have today. So imagine that. What I'm trying to do is that all the things that I tell in my stories, I have experienced them before. I am not telling lies. I use imagination, but not fantasy. It's different. Yes, that's what I do. And that's how I became the storyteller that I am today. <laughs> yeah, you have 20 years of experience telling great stories. Where can people get in touch with you and also buy your books to find out more? Uh, yeah, I have my website. It's my complete name, carmenpachaspielago.pe. P-E. Mm -hmm. So you can enter that. You can write to me through my Gmail, which is carmen.pachaspielago.gmail.com. In November, I'm going to the Guadalajara Book Fair, and I think it's an open door for the rest of the world. You can find me there also. We had a wonderful time with Carmen Pachas Pianado Carmichan, storyteller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I was, I, I am so glad to have met you before and I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much to your listeners, my love. And remember, ask yourself, why are we here? What for? It's what I'm doing, the right thing to do. What are my dreams? What I am doing to make my dreams come true? When you find the answers to these questions, perhaps you will change your life as well as I did. Because two years ago, I quit from my job. <laughs> I'm not longer working in, in accounting. I am now totally dedicated to the publication of my books and to storytelling in, in schools and cultural sites and museums, etc. You know where to find me then. <laughs> no, thank you, Fairman. Hopefully we can have you again soon. I hope so. Thank you, Gabby. It's been very nice talking to you. Thank you. Still want more? First, subscribe or follow the Clever Hybrids podcast wherever you're listening to this, and you can binge listen to our 30 plus episodes. If you want help to create a podcast or content for your business, check out our website, cleverhybrids.com. And as always, welcome to the Clever Hybrids tribe. This is Gabby V signing off. See you next time.